Please rise, you're able, for the reading of the gospel lesson. The gospel lesson comes from the book of John, in the 10th chapter, starting in the 7th verse. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved, and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. To help us as we begin to reflect on this word, I'd like to invite up our Ignite leadership team for the skit, The List. I mean, considering... Right? Man, there seems to be quite a crowd here today. This, like, normal size or bigger than usual or... Uh, I wouldn't know. I haven't been here before, but that is an interesting question. I'm Tim. Kyle. Nice to meet you. Same here. Hey, folks, quiet down, please. Benjamin Cox? So that's quite a lot of big you were carrying there, Tim. That? Well, that's nothing. I had a whole lot more. I just didn't have time to pack it all, you know what I mean? Just how true, but you realize that we aren't going to need anything where we're going? Get out of here. This stuff is great. I'm sure it'll come in handy. You'll see. Really? Even here? Oh, especially here. Stacy Williams. So what could possibly be so important that you need to bring it all here? Well, let's just take a look. Hey, you guys ought to come gather around and see this stuff. It's great. Ah, uh, yes, this one takes me back. My medal for most improved player city Little League. Shows I took an interest in my health early on. Then there's this. My certificate for best citizenship. Third grade. A respected authority even then. Then there are these. Three offers for major companies when I graduated from college, second in my class. Shows perseverance. Oh, and then there's this. Salesman of the year. I'm talented, too. Oh, and let's not forget this one. Here's a printout that shows I was a member of the First Baptist Church for 15 years. And finally, the clincher. Humanitarian of the year. What do you guys think? Is this going to knock their socks off or what? Hey, hey, where are you going? Don't you want to see all the stuff I got? Ah, forget it. He's just jealous. Right, guys? I mean, none of you can top this stuff, could you? Billy Sunderland? You have Billy Sunderland. So what'd you bring? Well, nothing. Nothing? Well, look, you're a nice guy and all, but I hope you don't expect me to lend you any of my stuff. Just between me and you, it's kind of hard to tell, but I haven't really been a model citizen I, you know, it's not like I planned this or anything. Tell me about it. So how'd you get here? Hurricane. Hard attack. 
Guess I should have listened to Doc Miller when he told me to cut off the old cheesecake. Right. Kyle Hargrove. Oh, that's me. Gotta go. See ya. Good luck, considering that you'll have nothing to show for your life. So what is it with calling out all these names? These are the names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, sir. Bucky Price. So when is it my turn? Please, sir, take a seat. Uh, do you want to see all the stuff I brought? There's no need. Take a seat, please. Milton Durham. Amen, and thank you, Ignite, for your message. This past December, in my seminary courses, we were challenged to read a book called Lord Willing by Jessica Kelly. For a quick snapshot of what this book is about, you can simply read uh, the subtitle, which reads, Wrestling with God's Role in My Child's Death. Obviously, it was not a light read. It was certainly a challenging one. Even more challenging was after reading this book, I was instructed to write a reflective paper that entailed what I would say to Jessica and her husband Steve after the death of their four-year-old child to a horrible disease. To be honest, when facing an inexplicable loss, outside of prayer and sharing in the sure and certain hope of Christ, sometimes there are just no words. As an introduction, Jessica explains that she grew up in the church. But she describes her faith in theology as piecemeal at best. Her relationship with Jesus up to that point had been more impersonal in nature. And her church going is more about consuming what had been given to her over her formative years. Years later, when her precious family was rocked by this devastating event, it left her faith in shambles without a grasp of where to go or within whom to look. While I can't recommend this book as a theological study, as it's simply not meant to be one, it is a powerful testimony of Jesus walking with Jessica and Steve through a deep and heartbreaking and dark valley. Through this text today, we will see that through Christ, the gate of the sheepfold, we can come to an abundant life, just as Jessica found despite the immense and heartbreaking loss in her life. This week, we're continuing our series, Person of Interest, with one of the I Am statements from Jesus. In this instance, Jesus states, I am the gate. The use of I am by Jesus is used several times throughout the book of John, and each one signifies an important aspect of Christ. So as we come to Jesus, our Lord, this week in worship, in word, and as we reflect on this person, the person of interest, Jesus, We'll spend some time reflecting on the significance of this phrase. I am the gate. Jesus here is addressing the Pharisees who have questioned Jesus after he has healed a blind man. Here he draws a picture of a shepherd who knows, calls, and protects his sheep, but the people don't understand. So we pick up here in the verses we just read with Jesus expanding on the last previous on the previous few verses. There's three important distinctions that he makes in this selected passage. 
First, Jesus establishes that he is the gate. To better understand the role of the gate in the sheepfold, we have to understand the historical context behind it. The sheepfold is a stone wall that is built either in a large rectangle or more commonly a circle. As there were no tools used in this construction, it is a simple structure made of stones stacked one upon another. And there is only one entrance to the sheepfold. This is intentional to protect the sheep from predators and to keep the sheep from wandering. During this time, sheep from flocks would be brought to a shared sheepfold that was watched over by one shepherd. The shepherd acts as the gate to the sheepfold, protecting and watching the walls. This single shepherd would physically lie down at the mouth of the sheepfold to protect the sheep and to guard the entrance. The shepherd was the door to the pen. In his second distinction, Jesus explains that there are those who come to kill, steal, and destroy. Through ignorance or pride, there are those who have jumped the wall and skipped right by the gate of the sheepfold. This takes place as false doctrine, false teachers, and those who sow lies. Jesus speaks of those in that time who would lead others astray. But even today, our society is constantly bombarding us with lies. Or challenges us to question what we believe is true. We are constantly enticed by those ideals that want us to simply go over the wall rather than pass through the gate. To a better truth, a better you, waiting to be accessed. The Apostle Paul explains in Romans sixteen eighteen, For such people do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the simple-minded. What he is saying here is that if it does not come from Jesus, beginning and ending with him, meaning if they skip the gate and go over the side of the wall, then their motivation is not showing Jesus as the one and only true Lord and Savior. Jesus also acknowledges that those who are in him will recognize and turn away from the thieves and robbers. And this brings us to Jesus' third distinction. Jesus expands on the importance of his first statement, that only through him as the gate may we find abundant life. Jesus is the gate to the sheepfold. Without Jesus, the enemy will steal, kill, and destroy the flock that is without protection. As the gate, Jesus protects us from those who would lead us as sheep to sin and death. Just that it is only through Jesus to God the Father. There is only one way to enter the abundant life. Through him. So where does this take us today as we encounter this scripture? What are the implications for us today? Does Jesus promise that the abundant life will be easy, long, or comfortable? Far from it. What Jesus promises is that it will be challenging, but it will be worth it. See, we are led by Christ to turn away from false teachings and to rely on the Holy Spirit to avoid lies. We learn and preach the law to recognize falsehoods and to humbly recognize our own shortcomings. When we fail in upholding the law, we are led to Christ, the only one who can uphold it. The law brings us right up to the opening of the gate, to the true and good shepherd, Jesus. 
The one who has already laid down his life to protect and shepherd us into an abundant life in him. Through this, through Jesus, we recognize and respond to the author and only source of true life. Him. As we'll hear in the later upcoming weeks, as we continue looking at the person of interest, we'll see in John 14, 6 that Jesus says, He is the way, the truth, and the life. Reinforcing here what he is saying as the gate. Notice something important. He doesn't say that he is one of many ways. A part of the truth. Or one of the many paths to true life. No, Jesus says plainly that there is only one gate. This short verse in Gospel of John causes some real issues with many of us in our world today. So much so that many choose to ignore or walk away from God because of it. Maybe it causes grief or rubs you the wrong way. I get it. Nobody likes being told they're wrong. Nobody likes the idea that there's only one way or right answer outside of what they believe is the truth. Especially in a culture where we celebrate living our truth. People want to be able to do and follow whatever they want and still get their desired results. This is part of our sinful and broken nature that comes with being ruled by the kingdom of self and one that is influenced by the outside culture. This perspective is not a kingdom of God perspective and it's not reality. Jesus left no room for doubt, no disagreement or speculation in this matter. When Jesus says that he is the gate, he's not being mean, bigoted, or closed-minded. He's telling us the truth in a loving way, in a plain and simple way that we can understand. And the reason he's not sugarcoating the truth is that he loves you and doesn't want anyone to miss eternity with him or be led astray by lies. Jesus was very clear in telling you and me that he is the gate, the only path that leads to the kingdom of God. Jesus being the true source of life and the only way of salvation wasn't just some random rule put out by God to control us. Rather, through this truth, we are freed by Christ to experience abundant life. But we have to be willing to pass through the gate. Our kingdom of self-driven desire to always be in charge, where our culture tells us to take matters into our own hands and be our own God, is what got us here in the first place. And for many of us, it's what keeps us here. We want to rule our own lives. We want to be the authors of our own truth. We want to do things our way and by our standards. We get easily bogged down by the constant stream of input from our society that tells us so. And it's that sin of missing God's standard and that kingdom of self kind of thinking that separates us from God. As a result, we know the punishment we deserve for our sin is death. However, the good news is that God desires to save us, to bring us from the kingdom of self into the kingdom of God and place us back into a right relationship with him. God offers us life, life in Jesus and through Jesus. Jesus is the only answer to the problem of sin and death that comes along with our always falling short of his holiness. Jesus is God's answer for our sins. 
Jesus is God's plan for putting the brokenness of sin and self, which started all the way back in the Garden of Eden, back together. Jesus is the key, the only path to entering the kingdom of God and finding truly abundant life. As we read earlier in John 10, 10, Jesus says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they, meaning us, may have life and have it abundantly. Another translation states it this way by saying, I have come that they may have life. As in without Jesus, there is no life and have it to the full. While it might seem that we may be losing something by giving up ourselves here on earth and giving everything to Christ, that is the only way to realize that Christ, what Christ has already given. When we choose to lose everything to Christ, to come to the gate, meaning our will for ourselves and our way of doing things or seeing things, forsaking the lies that we hear, we gain Christ. And with him comes not only eternal life, but abundant, meaningful life here and now. This is a life that's free from shame of sin, one that's free to serve and free to be on mission for Christ, one that's free to share the burdens of life and the joys of this life together, to live out the Great Commission as we are called to do so. Today we need to ask ourselves, are we alive in Christ Are we still sitting here physically alive but dead in our sin and separated from God because we refuse to go through the gate? Are we enticed by the lies and falsehoods that lead us away from the gate and over the wall? Have you recognized and responded to this free gift of true life that Jesus offers that has already been given? Towards the end of her book, Jessica Kelly wrote that she readily admits, I'm still processing, questioning, and learning to admit that I might be wrong. In fact, for the first time in my life, I've found the freedom to move beyond a faith centered on certainty. And she means in that knowing all the outcomes. She continues by saying, I'm confident that love encircles me as I grow. And as I confront new questions and doubts that arise, I keep rediscovering a passion that remains. Over and over, I land on the undeniably beautiful image of a powerful God who took on humble human form and taught us how to love. And on that cross, when his radical love seemed most foolish, we found that it can't, couldn't be stomped out by brute strength. That other-oriented, transformative love overcomes even death. See, Jessica didn't receive the healing for her son or the answers that she had hoped for. And as the voices who seek to bypass the gate would tell her that a loving God wouldn't have let her four-year-old son die. Instead, what she found by coming to Jesus is Jesus. The gate, the path. She found peace despite the pain in Jesus. She found God's grace in Jesus. She found that throughout, that through the gates, abundant life is still possible. While we certainly will struggle to fathom just how we experience God's grace, 
It is with certainty that we can proclaim the truth of God's grace through Jesus Christ on the cross for all. Jesus provides life abundantly, redeemed from sin, freedom in him, and the spiritual sustenance in the bread, water, and light of life, the abundant life in him. Jesus is the only gate that opens to such an amazing life. Amen.